Welcome to You Can't Laugh at That, the podcast where we take topics that aren't funny and we prove that they are funny. This is part of the You Can't Laugh at Work series where we take that time and place where it seems inappropriate to incorporate the themes of stand-up comedy and we find reasons why it's not only appropriate but beneficial to use some of the same skills that a comedian uses to connect with an audience and to be successful and to find humor in any given situation and how that works in terms of a leader doing the same thing. In fact, some of the skills mirror one another. And on today's episode of the podcast, we are featuring Trent Kasurik, CEO and co-founder of Team Airship a web and mobile app design company based out of Birmingham, Alabama, that has grown 54% since the start of the pandemic. So we want to know why they're so successful. And a lot of it has to do with the way they approach their culture, the way they approach creativity, the way they approach asking questions, and the way they approach their teams and their families and the human side of the global pandemic. So, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of You Can't Laugh at That's You Can't Laugh at Work series with Trent Kasurik. First and foremost, you know, we're going through a lot of, a lot of, um, I hate saying unprecedented, but it really is. But at the you know a lot of new things are happening. Um, the things that were going to happen have been accelerated technology-wise, remote working, and and uh, there's more and more money being poured into automation and things like that and AI, which is great. It's going to free us up to do a lot of uh, a lot of more creative work uh, rather than more manufacturing-based work, and uh, that's cool to me. And um, you know you mentioned that you have a passion for solving problems and tinkering and and seeing how things work. How have you applied that to everything that's going on in the world? And how have you applied that as well to, um, to your team and, and, and leading them? I, I, I tend to think on the big connecting of the dots. That's usually where I live is kind of the 100,000 foot view. But then when I find something, I'll swoop in. And that's where the tinkering comes in. It's like, okay, that interests me. Let me come in and find that. And really, I've found that with people, their emotions, how they think, how they interact, how how they connect their purpose with the value that they're providing and the work that they do. Mm. So one of the things we've actually been remote for several years uh, from the get go, we were, we've always been remote first. We do have a, a home here in Birmingham, which we love. We love this city, a lot going on here, but we also have folks in 13 different States. Um, so when people are just now going remote, I'm, I'm, I'm telling them like, this isn't really remote because at the end of the day, they're not only remote, but there's kids home. There's stresses with their 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 spouses or their partners to for work. So, um, what I what used to be my my um, focus on tinkering, which was, hey, let's focus more on we're all kind of happy, we got good home lives, everything's going on okay there. Let's really focus on how we do really really great work and connect your purpose with the work that we deliver and the value that we deliver. What's changed over the past year is we can't. And it wasn't even ignoring it, but you have to very much understand what they're, what everyone's bringing to work now, and and the understand their families more, understand um, their spouses and partners more, uh, understand that work actually is tr we're trying to make it somewhat the most predictable aspect of their life. Where as an agency and what we do, and typically we're solving a lot of different problems. So there's a, there's some lightning in the bottle happening. There's some you know, uh, sparks flying here and there as we go, but 
we've, we've had to shift our mindset and say, okay, where we used to appreciate and kind of just hang on to the fact that they're probably having a great home life in a lot of ways, you know, we see families and kids. Now we got to realize that that's probably not happening. How do we bring that into the mix? So over the past year, it's really honestly, the word I would use is, is flexible and grace and empathy as much as possible. Um, we are not a large company. We're, we're at 36 people now. We have a couple more. We are growing, but we, even when this started, we were you know in the, in the 30s, low 30s, and that's a tiny company. So how did we, we were trying to find really good ways of balancing productivity and actually delivering value because we didn't slow down. We grew 54% last year. Where a lot of companies closed down, we actually grew in a lot of ways. But you do that, and you have to you have to find ways of doing that growth. So um, a lot of what again the tinkering and the kind of figuring out over the past year has been bringing families into the mix, finding ways to connect that are maybe a little bit outside of the box what we used to have, making sure that families are more involved in some of our our, our events, making sure it's safe and okay for someone to if a kid walks in. To the room and sits behind them that that's fine now it's really just uh, making those types of things normal and comfortable and, and and ensuring that people have that because that is a friction point for everyone right now they have no idea even if you've worked remote you haven't worked remote with a screaming toddler in the other room right like there's there's things that have happened some folks have but um so it's really that's that's been what we're tinkering is how do we continue to grow while also understanding there's a huge friction point with families in the world as it stands today and emotions are high um so we can dig further into some of those things that we tried to do um, but that is that's where a lot of my mind has been for the past year is how do we keep our people happy on purpose is what i like to call it. like they're on their purpose they're living out what they're supposed to be living out and but also doing it intentionally um, and then again, taking into account the, the families and, and, and how that affects work in general. Yeah, the, the, the human side of things like that's, you know, breaking down those silos. If, you know, for so long, the, the standard workplace culture is, you know, you clock in, you know, you do your job as it's assigned, you go through the same routine every day, you work alongside these, your, your co-workers, and then you clock out and you, you know, you don't see them. Now, more and more over time, you know, we've, we've, dove into the interpersonal connection of it and trying to maintain that on a remote level is is so it's a new challenge um but it also gives us i think a bigger opportunity to connect because now we we do have this snapshot into people's lives right so you do see the kid come into the room and and in a lot of cases in a lot of the presentations i give you know i'll, I'll have the icebreaker uh question of what's the funniest thing that's happened on zoom you know at a zoom meeting that you've been in and a lot of times people will be like, yeah, somebody's kid came into the shot or somebody's cat came into the shot and we didn't want to mention it. And it's like, this is a perfect opportunity to mention it. It's a perfect opportunity to create that connection and, and to break down that silo for just a second. And uh, so, you know, the fact that you're doing that is obviously, I mean, you, you had experience doing remote before, uh, but, but it wasn't that big of a pivot point. Now you make a lot of, you've made a point, uh, use the word connect a lot, like making connections between things. Are you a person that like throws a bunch of stuff against the wall and then figures out how to connect them? Or are you more analytical in your approach? Um, I, uh, so I like to call it, I'm selectively detailed. Uh, okay. so, so, good. <laughs> so when it comes to, when it comes to, again, uh, people and finding their purpose and solving problems with technology, I can get really in the weeds. I'm a developer by trade. I was, I've been writing code for over 17 years now. Mm -hmm. So uh, I can get in the weeds. I can write code. I can, I can actually build things. Um, so, so yes, I can get analytical, but some things 
you don't need to get analytical. Some things, if you get too analytical, you actually lose the magic of what this is supposed to be. So, um, so I do like with some ideas and brainstorming, I think some of the most creative things happen when we do throw something against the wall and it's not just me throwing them against the wall, it's a, a, a diverse group of people throwing them against the wall and mm -hmm. then we shuffle it out. So we actually have services around what we do in Airship that, that help with that. We start from ground zero and we brainstorm, but um, yes, I am, I'm selectively detailed. I can get analytical, but I really do like and, and value diverse opinions bringing in um, what I may not have seen personally. Yeah, that big, that, that 10,000 foot view that you're talking about, you just kind of, you, you work it, uh, you hone it in as, as time goes. That's, right. that's how I work too. Um, now, you know, you do a lot of creative work with Airship, obviously with your clients, but what does a, a creative meeting at Airship look like when you are pitching those ideas? Yeah. So one of our, one of our services, we call it is, is our mapping, by the way, you're going to hear if, I, if we start talking about the work, we brand everything. We also feel like that's a big part of what we do. So. Yeah. We, all of our roles are branded, all of our services are branded in that airship nautical type of thing. So our mapping uh, is, is that process where uh, either a company comes in that's, that's established, that has a, a new opportunity that they're, trying to, um, that they're trying to go after, or in a lot of ways, also brand new companies, there's an idea in their mind, they don't know, necessarily know how to articulate and they don't necessarily know how to build it. So uh, we have amazing people here at Airship that, especially on the UX side of things and on the design side of things, and on the, we call them our project navigators, uh, our project managers, that we have this mapping, we bring the client in and we take them through workshops of saying, okay, what problem are you truly trying to solve? Uh, who are you trying to solve it for? And asking these questions, and it's really, you're gonna see it, it's, it's more questioning that helps bring out what that vision that they have is. And then what we land on is, okay, great. We've got the, we, we feel like we've got a good problem statement here. We feel like we've got a good understanding of who we're trying to solve the problem for. Is there any ideas that we may need to ask some more questions? Is it your problem that's in this little bubble or is this problem that you're trying to solve much broader? Let's get out there. Let's do some user research. Let's start talking to people and, and understanding their point of view as well. And then lastly, at the end, and this is what people really pay us for, is we work with several, several, I mean, it's, I think we're about to hit our hundredth client, uh, and, and is what I was told yesterday. Awesome. But uh, so we've worked with about to be a hundred clients that are in several different industries and problems. As you when you live on that ten thousand to hundred thousand foot view, problems actually look very similar from that view. And no matter what industry you're in, so during that mapping process, what we also do is we bring in that industry knowledge of okay. Yes, you're a church and a ministry, which we work with a lot of great ministries and churches. We also work with this insurance company. You would never connect that dot, but they had a very similar problem, and this is how we solved it for them. Let's see if we can't interact and, and bring some of those, those learnings into that as well. Mm -hmm. So the creative process is really just asking a lot of questions and getting it out, but then connecting some of the dots that we've already solved in the past and bringing that new insight uh, to our clients. Questions are one of the most powerful creative tools because when you ask questions, you force yourself to think outside of you know your, your current perspective and and god would you ask somebody questions i mean you know in in my consulting work and and meeting with new clients i mean i just that's all the whole conversation is is i'll ask a question and then i'll learn everything and then i'll ask another you know and so that's that's great now how do you do you use that strategy when it comes to helping your own team members uh if they're going through a you know a creative block or or a, a personal roadblock in their day-to-day yeah, that's, that's actually where if I, if I spend 100% of my time there, I think I'm adding the most value to people. It's when I'm actually trying to dive in and do some of the execution where I get a little squirrely. 
So if, but if I'm spending my time there, absolutely. So decision-making and um, feeling passionate about what you do really comes from being part of that decision, understanding that it may have come from me. So questions, you're right, they're super powerful because what they do is they typically help the person realize that they already had the answer and you're just helping them get to that answer. Mm -hmm. So as much as I can and we can as a team change the um, like, what if you did this to a, how might we do this type of question, even if it's a little bit of a leading, uh, that's what we try to do. How might we solve this specific problem? How might we, you know, go about answering that specific question for this client? And when you turn things into questions very intentionally that way, and, and I do, I try my best to do so, that A, shows some vulnerability that I don't have all the answers either, and you shouldn't have all the answers. And two, it helps them connect more with the solution that we end up with because, again, they had a big play in coming to the solution. So, yes, absolutely. I think questions are superpowers. Some people are amazing at them. Uh, I try my best. I keep practicing. Uh, uh, but, yes, I try my best whenever, uh, whenever possible, whenever I see this idea, especially when someone's passionate about solving it. How do I get them to solve it? And that's usually through questioning. When uh, when you when you get a new client or or when a client uh, wants to start on a new project, now they typically would come into the office, correct? In in the past, before we, we, yeah, before is in some we do work across states though too. So we have clients in seventeen different states and in Canada. So uh, for the most part, we love bringing them in. We think a lot of creativity happens there, but we mm -hmm. also run off the notion of if some like one's remote everyone's remote because if you're in a room with uh, six people and then one person's up on the tv and then i'm having a side conversation right here david's wondering what you and i are talking about right, right? so uh, but so we've had to we've gotten some tools now that we do these remotely as well now and we've seen some great success mm -hmm. okay that's yeah, that was my next question is, is has that creativity continued to flourish on a uh, on a remote level so it has, it has, there's, you can't replace the people aspect, no matter what technology you have, there's, there's something about just patting someone on the shoulder and that human touch, but we have definitely brought some tools and gotten as close as we can. And we feel like we've seen some great success there. You can't laugh at that. You can't laugh at that is brought to you by water cooler comedy. Now for too long, we've been asking the question, should work be focused on work or fun? But Mark Twain once said that, Work and play are two words used to describe the same thing under different circumstances. So my point is that we're asking the wrong question. Instead of asking, should work be work or fun, the question should be, how can we make work fun? Whether it's a keynote speech, a half-day workshop, a 90-day consulting program, a customized corporate comedy experience for you and your team as you try to figure out how to reboard, how to get back to work after working virtually for a year. Why humor in the workplace? Well, studies have shown that humor builds resilience. It allows us to adapt to problems more quickly, more creatively, and more correct. It allows us to adapt to problems more quickly, more creatively, and more corrupt. I can't say collaboratively. <laughs> it allows us to adapt to not being able to say collaboratively correctly. Because not only does laughter make us feel better, it makes us work better too. So why not make work the time and place to laugh? Check out watercoolercomedy.org.
basically, like I said, I'm a comedian. I, I'm a nerd when it comes to, to humor theory and to getting into the biology and how the brain works when we laugh. Now, when we laugh, it's it's our brain's way of acknowledging a new unexpected per perspective. It's, it's that jolt. Uh, the same parts of our brain light up when we solve a problem is when we get a joke, which is, which is so interesting to me. Um, it's why I find value in using humor in the workplace, especially with new problems. Uh, it, because, I mean, if our brains are already primed uh, through laughter, uh, then when a problem comes up, we're, we're quicker to solve it. So what role does does laughter and humor play in the day-to-day -day experience of working at Airship? So uh, I love that because my, my when you just explained humor and how it lit up, I, I laughed because obviously um, I just learned a new perspective there. Um, so <laughs> right. this is why it was so interesting when you reached out and when we talked a little bit and I saw what you, what you were doing is, is I really thought through that. Like, how do we use humor and this is where I do kind of get analytical. I don't feel like you can laugh at yourself until you know yourself. I don't feel like you can laugh at yourself until you feel comfortable with what you know about yourself. I don't think you can laugh at work at yourself until you feel comfortable that everybody else knows who you are and that you are comfortable with them knowing. So it kind of, that's where I, I, I immediately go. And I start looking back at um, at the things that we've shared of our failures. It's typically what we laugh about or we have to laugh at some things that we failed on, right? Um, so so when, I, when I look back, it's we, we have, we're a development company and a design company, and then we have all of the uh, amazing people around that help us grow as a company. But within that, a lot of our developers, they'll share the, and I don't know if you're a GIF or a GIF person. This is a, I don't want to have that battle today, but either way, <laughs> uh, they're GIFing and GIFing on, um, on really it's failures in the development side, like like submitting code on a Friday and, and, then, a, and then a bug coming up. So we share a lot of that and we laugh a lot about, uh, and underneath we're like, we've done that. We're kind of laughing at ourselves when we're sharing that. And I think that's a big key. Um, but yesterday, just yesterday, actually, we had, a, we had um, we have our Q, crew q and I have it every, every two weeks. It's where we can be very transparent. We ask very hard questions. You can ask them anonymously or you can put your name to them. And I sit there and I answer very honestly and open and direct. But one of the ones that came up was, you know, somehow we got to failure. And how do we share those failures more? Because I think people need to see that we got junior level folks coming in and, and senior level folks coming in. They need to see that you can fail along the way. So I actually am probably going to build this this weekend, but we use Slack and we're going to create a channel called Regrets. And we're going to spell it. I don't know if you've ever seen that meme where someone got a tattoo that says no regrets and regrets was spelled incorrectly. So we're going to name our Slack channel regrets incorrectly. And we're going to use the same tool that I, I built for our culture. We call it crew internally where people can um, submit regrets on a, like on a whim. Hey, I just hit this. I failed here. I'm going to, I'm going to tell everybody about it. So that's one way that we're, we're starting to talk about it, but, um, and laugh about it a bit more, but I, I can't, I think the focus for us and how we use humor has really been around making people feel as comfortable as they can about who they are and being able to laugh at themselves and be okay with failure as long as you're learning from that failure uh, is how uh, we've used humor. Uh, not, not probably the same way that you're talking, but uh, I think that that is the core and the base is creating that environment where humor is actually okay and people can laugh at themselves. So that's, I mean, you know, that's, you're just connecting the failure and reframing it in a way as oh this is part this is just part of the process like it's not you know and that's one that's one thing that i think our schools do so poorly is, is we frame failure as like the worst thing 
mm-hmm. rather than, you know, my best teachers were the ones that would pull me aside and say, what did you learn from this versus like, you know, you're a bad student and that's it, you know? So reframing failure and, and connecting that to eventual success, I think is, is vital. And you're obviously subscribing to that belief as well. Now on your, uh, on your website, it mentions that learning is built into your, to your budget of, uh, of time. So like, what sort of learning do you provide for your team? Like, is it, is it training? Is it, is it like mental? Is it uh, skills as far as development? Uh, early on when we started, and this is, um, there's a lot of things we did early on that if someone looked at us from a business perspective said, that's a crazy idea. Uh, you should not do that. You do not have the money to do that. Uh, and they were right in a lot of ways, but we've seen a lot of uh, really good success with it too. So one of the things that we do uh, specifically, it's been around from the beginning is called 10% time. This is mm-hmm. something we learn from Google and we learn from others. They had 20% time, but we don't have $500 billion in the bank. Yeah. So we had 10% time. So cut that in half. We have obviously 250 billion in the bank. We don't. Um, so we, we put in 10% time and early on with this 10% time is what we know is that when you work on yourself and when you work on getting better at your craft and we give you time to do that, that a builds trust with the company because we're not just saying, Hey, use your nights and weekends always to, to get better. And then come on in and show me how you got better. It's, it's understanding that trust that we know that you're not, and and never will be perfect. And we're going to meet you where you are and say, hey, here's some time for you to get better. And I, though, however, I want you to get better at the things that, is, that are going to like help the company grow. So there's this triangle that we look at decision making through. Does it help your career? Does it help the client? And does it help the company? My friend uh, Ryan, uh, he's, he's a good friend. He's got a, his own company in consulting. But he brought that triangle to us and it's it articulated very well what we try to do there. So that 10% time is really baked in for everyone to say, hey, throughout the week, Take those four hours and say, I'm going to, I'm going to go and take a development course on Udemy. I'm going to build something with open source and actually get, get my hands dirty because some people learn better then. I'm going to spend some time reading a book or an article or a blog post or listen to a podcast. So it's very much time that we give that is a very, and if you look at the bottom line of it, it's an expensive benefit, if you will, but we've seen that folks have again, gotten better at their craft, which then leads to more value that we can provide to our clients and service our, 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 our clients better. So uh, that is something that's baked in that 10% time. We also, Kathleen, who runs our crew operations, uh, she's bringing back, we used to have lunch and learns more and she's bringing those back. Um, so lunch and learns are something that we're starting to be, uh, be bringing in on Fridays again. And that goes from, hey, should you choose a 15 year mortgage or a 30 year mortgage all the way to uh, how do you talk about, you know, decision-making and, 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 you know, finding your purpose. So lunch and learns are another big thing that are, that are, that are baked in there too. And then in general, we built a culture around helping others. So we are a remote first company. We use Slack. So if you need to like, Hey, I need help with this. You see a lot of that conversation happening and people jump in and pair with each other. And, and during pairing, not only does the person that's helping you learn more, but also you're obviously getting that, that benefit as well. Um, so those are some things that we have built into the culture, but also that we do very intentionally from a benefits side that we, we stand behind and we will continue standing behind that, that really has helped us add value to our team, our company, and our clients. Have you run into any resistance or obstacles when it comes to that? Absolutely. Um, sometimes we're so busy, people are like, I don't have time for 10% time. I'm still trying to like get, get this done. And, and that's something that we, we understand is a, is a problem. Um, there is always that... Um, 
how do we point someone in the right direction while not dictating exactly what they work on, but also saying, listen, we don't work on building, you know, garden shears and, and wondering what the engineering is behind that, right? Like focus your 10% time on something that's going to have, that's going to help the company. So that is actually something as we've grown has been more of our focus now is how do we not, how do we direct but not dictate? How do we help someone determine what's that best next thing that they should spend their time on? So when they do get the time, they're not spending it over here on something that's not helping them progress their career. That was not as, 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 um, needed, honestly, early on, because there was more senior level folks, right? Everybody kind of knew what they needed to work on. Now, as we continue to give more opportunities to folks that uh, maybe not have had those opportunities before, and we continue to hire more junior level people and give people those opportunities to get into the software industry, which we're very, very passionate about, we understand now that it's got to be a little bit more guided and not just this, hey, go take your 10% time on this. So yeah. that's one of the biggest challenges that we're working on right now. Is that yeah. Yeah, creating that shift, uh, that management shift, you know, where we're so conditioned into like managing is telling people is dictating. I, I love that. We, we direct, not dictate. That's that's a that's a good line. Uh, that might be the title of this uh, this particular episode. Um, so if you could, uh, just one last question. If you if you could offer advice to a fellow leader um, who is you know, experiencing these, the, all these problems, all these new uh, obstacles and things like that, what would you, uh, how would you tell them to incorporate a little bit of what we talked about here today into their workplace? What's your one bit of advice there? Oh, uh, no one ever should ask me about one bit of advice because there's three things. <laughs> so, right. That's a loaded so, question. That's tough. Yeah. So, so I would say you're not alone, honestly, at the end of the day, even, even CEOs, founders of companies, the largest companies, they have anxiety, they have stress, they're trying to work through these problems too. But, and I'm speaking to myself a lot right here. So by the way, uh, so I would say focus on what you can control and not what you can't. Mm -hmm. They solely focus on the things that you control. And one thing that I actually got tattooed, it's the only tattoo I have. It is Lewin's equation. And what it says is behavior is the function of a person in their environment. What you can control in your company is the environment. You can't control what that person does. You can't control the, you can't try to attack the behavior where I think a lot of people do. All you can do is focus on what you can do to help create an environment within your company that people can be successful and behave the way that you would like them to behave. Um, so that is something that, again, I'm, pre I'm preaching myself. You're going to have successes on that. You're going to have failures on that. Of course, if you, you got to learn, you're going to have people that you really wish would have stayed around that are going to leave. And you're going to have, have people wish that you probably would have let them go sooner and, 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 it, and it caused <laughs> issues. Um, but at the end of the day, I would say control, you know, focus on the things that you can control only. And when you say, when I do that, what I mean by that is control that environment so that you can have people that really want to be there and, and, uh, and maybe create the better part that they're struggling with at home. Maybe the work becomes that thing that they really want to be, um, you know, holding on to as, as that, that hope in a lot of ways. So would you say that you're, uh, you're connecting what you can control with the things that you can't? Absolutely. You have to make that, you got to create a list if you need to of the pros and cons and can, and the things I can control and not control, but any way that works for you, that is a big thing. I think a lot of leaders are stressing out right now and, and again, having to deal and struggle with how do you bring the other family life into this and, and making a lot of mistakes along the way, but you're not the only one and focus on the things you can control and, and focus on that environment. Yeah, they're, they're, those kids that walk into the shop, they're part of your team now. They're, the, they're that, uh, that employee that just uh, on the iPad again, like, come on, 
Yeah. Well, David, I tell you what, every day, every at the end of the year, we usually go over like what are the things that we're most proud of, and we talk about the people that we hired, and we say we're up to thirty-six people, but we're up to ninety-nine family members, right? So that mm-hmm. is a that is something that you gotta you you always have to keep in mind that uh, when that one person is giving you problems, there's thirty-five others and thirty and eighty other people behind them that you're solving that problem for. So mm-hmm. yeah, mm, that's a powerful way to look at it. Well, uh, Trent, I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. And, uh, and to prove to other leaders that, that, yeah, it's okay. You can laugh at work. You can laugh at that. Special thanks to Trent Kassirk for joining us on this episode of the podcast. If you want to learn a little bit more about Airship, you can visit teamairship.com if you're looking for a new high-quality web or mobile app. Definitely hit them up. You can follow Trent on Twitter at... Trent Kosurek, K-O-C-U-R-E-K. And you can also follow Airship on Twitter at Team Airship. For You Can't Laugh at That's You Can't Laugh at Work series, I've been David Horning, and thank you for listening and helping us prove that you can laugh at work. As we continue on our mission to incorporate humor into leadership in more workplaces, to engage more people, to inspire creativity and collaboration and caring, feel free to give us a like, a follow, a subscribe on whatever platform that you get your podcasts. If you're on Apple Podcasts, throw us a five-star rating and a review of the way that you found these episodes to be helpful because we want to prove that no matter how quickly change comes, no matter how uncertain the future is, no matter if your people are working from home and you're trying to find new ways to engage them remotely, remember that there is always a way to laugh at work.